This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Tuesday afternoon, August 1st. Another month begins. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. Two major cruise lines, Royal Caribbean and Norwegian, reported full occupancy during the first quarter of the year. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, reports on job openings and construction spending lead today's data. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Andrew Bush, former Chief Markets Intelligence Officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and Economic Futurist at AndrewBush.com, based in Chicago. Andy, thank you for joining us today. What do we know uh, based on the uh, latest reading on, uh, on on job openings? What's the health of the job market right now? Yeah, it's still really quite robust. Um, the numbers came off slightly from last month. They were a little bit below what most people were expecting but the jolts data, this is the job openings and losses and other name in there, um, it still shows us with two and a half million more jobs available than prior to the outbreak of COVID. So that really tells you that that sector is, I mean, overall, we still have a lot of jobs available for people. So it remains very robust. It's under lying the strength of the U.S. economy. Uh, layoffs nudging down to one and a half million, and that's uh, down from the month of May. Quits falling noticeably. So if you still believe in the soft landing scenario for the economy after all the interest rate hikes, uh, the just this continued strength in the job market is going to provide that cushion for the economy. Yeah, accommodation and food services are, are still very robust. That's 6.9% uh, growth. Uh, total non-farm was 5.8%, and then construction was 4.5%, a, a little bit below where it'd been. But those two areas of the economy, as, as the economy's opened up, uh, people have gone, obviously, on a lot of vacations, leisure and hospitality, going out to restaurants and bars. That's all back in play. It's been doing great, and it shows continued strength for the U.S. economy. On the other hand, uh, it, it, it's, it's kind of inconsistent across the economy at large. While the, uh, while the employment market is still robust and still sustaining the economy, the manufacturing sector is in a state of contraction. Yeah, and it has been for a while. And I think the thing to understand, it's the re- balancing that's been going on uh, due to COVID, right? Oh, you know, when we first had COVID, you know, obviously manufacturing got hit, but then everybody was staying at home. So you started buying a lot of goods. So the demand for goods, as far as consumer spending went, that went up significantly and the demand for services went down. Well, it's rebalancing. Now people are spending on going out to bars, to restaurants, to concerts, taking trips, all of that. So that services side's gone up and the goods side has gone down. So the manufacturing side, that doesn't surprise me. That's remained weak. And then on top of it, we've had weaker demand 
from the China reopening than we thought we were going to get. So that all leads to really kind of a recession that's going on in the manufacturing space. And then going back to uh, the job market and the JOLTS report, what is that going to say not only about the ADP report, which comes out tomorrow, but the Department of Labor report, which comes out on Friday morning? Yeah, they don't match up, you know, obviously really closely all the time. But what I think we can all take away is, Look, we're expecting for the jobs numbers, for the jobs created for the non-farm payroll to be, you know, plus 200,000. Unemployment rate should hold steady around 3.6%. These are great numbers. And for the Fed, if we take a step back and look at this for the Fed, you know, they're on target to see another rate hike, in my opinion, in September, because we haven't really seen a dramatic slowdown in growth in GDP. We had a 2.4% GDP number come out. So I would say... Overall, things are going in the direction the Fed wants to. We're going in the direction of a soft landing, but inflation is still way far away from where they want it. Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economic futurist at andrewbush.com based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, cruise lines are enjoying a full capacity comeback. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday, and after the slowdown from the pandemic, the cruise industry finds itself back at full speed. We welcome in Tom Hudson, financial journalist based in Miami, Florida. Tom, thank you for joining us today. And I did a little bit of firsthand research on the health of the cruise industry, Tom. Uh, Back from a (laughs) Disney cruise, a a six-night trip through uh, Grand Cayman and Cozumel on the Disney private island of the Bahamas. And I can tell you that uh, as far as the Disney fantasy was concerned, uh, it was full go. And uh, one of the crew members told me that that was the uh, highest passenger load they had on that particular ship since 2019. It appears that uh, once again, a lot of travelers are now making up for lost time, this time on the water. A lot of travelers are making up for lost time on the water, and it'll be interesting to see how many new-to-cruise passengers are discovering cruise after the negative publicity, of course, that the industry had to suffer through in the first uh, weeks and months of the coronavirus pandemic. But boy, has business rebounded for these cruise companies, Royal Caribbean, Carnival, uh, Norwegian, the cruise part of Disney that you experienced firsthand, Rob. Uh, Big, big numbers and big future bookings from these companies. I mean, sometimes record number of future bookings. So it looks like it's a sustained demand for passengers to get out on the high seas. Royal Caribbean and Norwegian Cruise Lines reporting over 100% occupancy rates during the first quarter of 2023. That means there are more passengers than there are boats. What are they counting on when these uh, cruise ships are overbooked? Well, they're, they're counting on, of course, folks to be able to be bumped, certainly. But what they're really seeing is just this incredibly high demand. And that equates then to pricing power for the tickets and then also uh, rolls into onboard spend, a key metric for profitability, for really driving some of the growing margins. And the cruise companies, their shareholders, of course, are paying close attention to this because these cruise companies had to take on billions and billions of dollars of debt just to stay, pun intended, afloat when they couldn't actually get out on the seas with paying passengers for 15 months during the pandemic. Is it possible for the cruise companies to make up for lost time for that year and a half in which the ships were idle? Well, uh, no. You know, I mean, a, 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 a cabin on a cruise ship that is not occupied Uh, You can't make up for that, right? It's like a seat on an airplane. It takes off, and if nobody's in there paying for the ticket, 
that seat is going to go left unfilled. But what they are doing is they're experiencing this pricing power because of the demand that you experience firsthand, Rob. That has helped out. They are continuing to invest in, in kind of the higher margin cruises, Europe especially, and Royal Caribbean, for instance, is really looking at China and some of the itineraries there to help drive some of its marginal growth. The Disney Cruise Line already has uh, three new ships in development. They purchased one out of bankruptcy from a uh, Chinese cruise line that experienced financial difficulty during the pandemic. Uh, so clearly they're trying to add to their fleet to meet demand. A lot of older ships went to the scrap yard during the COVID pandemic, but are other lines uh, building uh, these giant uh, mega liners uh, to meet this new demand? Not only are they building the new mega liners, ships continuing to get bigger, they're, big, they're, they're building fancier and more luxurious ones so that they can increase that margin. Uh, for the paying passenger. Just this week, Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings announced its earnings today. It's going to take delivery of a new ship, I think, on August 3rd of this week. I think Carnival took delivery uh, for one of its uh, uh, brands earlier this, earlier last month. So there's a lot of new ships coming, and that's where the companies are expecting to see continued business growth. They need to build capacity. They need to build more ships in order to take advantage of the continued demand and the strength of demand of future bookings that they're experiencing now. Tom Hudson, financial journalist based in Miami. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, prepare for a very slimy Super Bowl next February. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Nickelodeon will present an alternate telecast of Super Bowl 58, which is scheduled for February 11th of next year. Let's learn more from Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Verter Group based in Chicago. Tim, thank you for joining us today. And I, I have a little bit of, uh, you know, bad memories of the uh, of the Nickelodeon broadcast because it was uh, the Bears being embarrassed by the New Orleans Saints uh, at the end of the 2020 season. That was the inaugural Nickelodeon broadcast which, uh, according to people who had no emotional investment in the game, they said it was actually pretty innovative. Well, you must have had kids uh, watching with you. Uh, I can't imagine you watching it by yourself. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, Nickelodeon's been, um, uh, which is part of the the Viacom uh, system of channels owned by CBS and related, uh, has been doing these alternate broadcasts uh, now for a couple of seasons with playoff games. Uh, and now is stepping up to the uh, the ground bomb, if you will, with the Super Bowl. Um, and it's it's a unique, different, and uh, alternative, literally, uh, version of the game with a bit more fun and panache and augmented reality and, and Nickelodeon-like, kid-like elements that uh, make the game uh, a lot more, you know, just uh, uh, interesting and maybe not sort of the prime focus versus, say, just having fun uh, watching a game that may or may not necessarily be riding on a prop bet that you might have made with a family member. Now, Tim, this is hilarious to me that uh, that Nickelodeon is going to try to uh, perform, you know, put on this uh, Super Bowl broadcast for kids featuring uh, green slime, which was the uh, the comedic device of the television show. You can't do that on television, which was on Nick oh forty years ago. So uh, it's really very funny that they're using this uh, the slime as a device to bring in younger viewers when their parents will understand the reference more than anybody else yeah well i think that might also add a little level of uh of family uh connectivity there so that everybody can enjoy the game uh, at the same time i think slime is universal and multi-generational but that's for another story 
Um, but I do think, look, it's also there's some business uh, uh, reason to it, too, right? The, the, the whole idea of alternate broadcasts in sports is uh, a relatively new phenomenon. ESPN's doing, been doing it a lot with the, um, the Manning brothers, uh, Stephen A. Smith and, and, and others. Um, it actually has some business sense to it because it's uh, using another channel to simultaneously broadcast the game. Uh, it brings with it new ad inventory to sell. And interestingly, it adds to the ratings somewhat. Uh, it, it becomes a more aggregated audience across now, in this case, two different channels. Uh, and that actually winds up uh, hitting the bottom line. So it's actually a pretty shrewd move on their part, despite the fact that Nickelodeon doesn't mean much uh, to people, you know, 20, 30 years old now. The alternate broadcasts have been successful because the people who have been brought in to stage them are effective communicators and they have charisma and you want to hang out with them. Do you run the risk, though, of saying that we have to bring in this entirely different presentation because the game itself is not that interesting? Well, I, look, this is another topic for another conversation, but the reality is that the way younger audiences are engaging with live sports uh, is fundamentally different than the traditional uh, process. And that literally means perhaps watching the game in the background and either using their phone or in some cases on platforms like Twitch, uh, interactively uh, trash talking and prop betting and that kind of stuff. The game is in the background. The activity of what people are doing and watching is actually in the foreground. And that's heresy to uh, rights holders like the NFL. But uh, this is sort of a gentle, kinder version of doing just that. Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertair Group in Chicago, thank you for joining us today. Still ahead on this Travel Tuesday, some simple ways to stay safe on vacation. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A former U.S. Attorney General will investigate the handling of hazing and abuse allegations at Northwestern University. A group that supports Donald Trump has spent tens of millions of dollars in legal fees for the former president. In Travel Tuesday, strategies to stay a little safer when you're on a trip. And America's largest retail chain looks to utilize more in-store advertising. WBBM Business, the markets are mixed, the Dow up 16 points. NASDAQ down 51. S&P 500 down 13. 79 degrees right now at O'Hare under partly sunny skies. Going up to 84 today. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour. Northwestern University is bringing on former U.S. Attorney General Loretta Lynch to lead an independent review of the school's handling of hazing, bullying, and discrimination allegations. Northwestern says she'll seek feedback from faculty, staff, students, and alumni. The results of the probe will be made public. A political action committee that supports former President Trump has spent more than $40 million on legal expenses for him and his aides. That's according to CBS News, which reports a separate legal defense fund has now been set up to raise money for Trump associates. More from CBS News correspondent Skylar Henry. Country's going in the wrong direction. Trump's challengers are hoping voters begin to see his legal issues as a liability. We need to be focusing on using our energy and resources 
on defeating Biden and the Democrats. We can't keep living with indictments and court cases and vengeance of the past. We've got to start going forward. Trump has five separate trials scheduled between October and next May which overlaps with a majority of the Republican primary schedule. A grand jury in Atlanta is considering further charges against the former president over his alleged attempt to pressure Georgia election officials to overturn his 2020 election loss. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are mixed today, and joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond. Chuck, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we're still in uh, in bull market territory, and how does that change the calculus uh, for investors? Uh, also, when it comes to assessing whether a stock is uh, properly valued in the market? Well, I think that the important calculus in terms of what investors should be thinking about, since it is a primary bull market trend now, that any price dips in here, pullbacks in the market, you can buy those confidently because they're pullbacks within an ongoing bull market and not a pullback in a bear market, which can get, you know, cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. You know, from a valuation standpoint, I think there are still opportunities in the market. And, and those opportunities are in some of the areas where you're seeing kind of this broadening in leadership. You know, and I point to, for example, the strength in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which had been trailing pretty significantly for the first half of the year, but, but has really come on strong here in the last, oh, two, three, four weeks, um, you know, those are the types of stocks that uh, you're seeing a broadening. And I think those are the types of stocks, again, industrials, kind of uh, value-oriented stocks where there is still opportunity in this market from a valuation standpoint. And some of the biggies uh, reporting already, uh, Merck reporting a smaller-than-expected loss and revenue that exceeded expectations. Pfizer, again, uh, gaining even after posting some mixed results because uh, all of those uh, COVID therapies are no longer uh, in demand like they used to be. And this is a real uh, stunning one to me, and that's uh, Uber down almost 5% in early trading today, despite the fact that they posted a profit for the first time ever. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, healthcare, keep in mind, has been a really uh, a very sluggish sector for the first half of the year. So there were pretty low expectations um, for those healthcare stocks going into earnings season. And it didn't take much for those expectations to be exceeded by the likes of Merck and Pfizer. On the other hand, Uber, uh, you know, had been doing OK. So the, the, the bar was a bit higher for it. And while it looks like it was a, a decent quarter, I think it was what the first operating profit ever for that company, uh, you know, some of the good stuff had already been discounted in the stock. And so, again, that's where I kind of point to where there's value and opportunity or in some of those areas that are starting to improve that were fairly dormant in the first half of the year. Talking with Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, and, and key, uh, sticking with the subject of Uber, and that was for years, uh, it ran with losses. Investors uh, continued putting their money into it because they believed that one day it would turn the corner, become profitable, and because it was so gigantic, it would have pricing power over the entire rideshare sector. Uh, now that it does have this profitable quarter, has it turned that corner? I think it's 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 peaking around the corner. Maybe it's not completely turned it, but it, it is turning it. And in terms of its ability to compete and, uh, you know, I dare say squash some of the competitors, I mean, you don't hear much about the lifts of the world much anymore. So I think Uber has 
has you know dominated that market now and i think with that domination you should see improved profitability and you know quite frankly i think over time you'll probably see an improved stock price as well Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter based in Hammond. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Travel Tuesday, keeping yourself safe when you're away from home. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday. There are some basic, fundamental things you can do to stay safe on your next trip. Let's get some tips from Mark Walters, who is the host of the YouTube channel, Walters World Travel and Culture, and a teaching associate professor of business administration in the University of Illinois Geese College of Business in Urbana-Champaign. Mark, thank you for joining us today. Uh, What are some very simple things you can do uh, to kind of tone down that neon sign around you that says, hey, I'm a tourist? Hey, Rob, thanks for having me on. So one thing you can do is when you're going around, realize that just having a local shopping bag really can make a difference. Because if you're walking around with a Walmart plastic bag, you look like anybody. But if you have one of those multi-use bags from a local store in a different country, people go, huh, you might not look like you're from here, but it looks like you might be living here. And that makes you a lot less of a target for those pickpockets, for those robbers. That's one thing. Another thing I'd recommend is sometimes your phone can be your worst enemy. And turn off that if you like to pay with your iPhone, you like to pay for your Samsung Pay, turn off that NFC. Turn off that signal so people don't walk by and accidentally bump into you and you lose 50 bucks right there. Also, a similar kind of thing, if you have one of those tap-and-go credit cards, make sure you have an RFID wallet. So, therefore, it protects it so nobody can accidentally bump into you and take a little bit of your money. But one thing I always recommend to people is screen capture everything on your phone, whether it is your boarding passes, your hotel reservations, your passport, your most importantly, where you parked in the parking garage. Take a picture of that, save it, and email it to yourself because you never know if your phone will get lost, if you, you know, something will happen. You have it there, and you can get it back later because one of the things I don't want is someone trying to find their car late at night and looking lost. That is not a good thing to have. Know where your key and know where your parking spot is. So those are a few tips I have right off the top. And, and a very good one, uh, and this is uh, just basically wear sensible shoes if, if you're walking around and if you find yourself at a tight spot uh, uh, in, in some location in parts unknown, uh, you don't want to, uh, uh, your, your, your escape to be uh, hampered by your Jimmy Buffett flip-flops. Exactly. I've seen many travelers fall over the years on slick services or just trying to get away in a certain quick way, and those flip-flops don't help. Good shoes are very important. Make sure you break them in before you travel because you do not want painful feet when you're walking around the Acropolis and other places around Europe. And then uh, another thing about, you know, just being a sensible packer, too. Uh, You don't want to have, you know, seven suitcases and a steamer trunk when you're traveling abroad. That's right. The airlines will tell you to try not to check your luggage. Make sure you're doing carry-on only because you know what? Everything you need, they have where you're going to travel. So don't be freaked out. So pack light because if your luggage is too heavy, one, it can hurt your back if you try to put it up in an overhead bin somewhere on a plane or a train. But also, if you've got too many bags, for people that rob tourists, pickpockets, these kind of things, they know you're not going to run after them once you have four bags. They'll take one, and you're not going to leave those three behind. So that's a really important thing because you want to make yourself 
as safe as possible when you travel. I feel like some people in Chicago uh, are pretty savvy about this next one just because of uh, rivalries between uh, Cubs fans and White Sox (laughs) fans or Bears fans and Packers fans. But the level of sports fandom that exists in Europe involving soccer uh, means if you wear a rival's uh, soccer jersey into the wrong bar, you could find yourself in real trouble. Oh, yes, you can. And that's one thing is actually there'll be bars. I've been in England, Ireland, other places where they literally say no, no football jerseys, no soccer jerseys allowed. So you want to be careful with that because, one, if you, you may love your team, but there's someone that hates your team ten times as much, and if they have a few too many, bad things can happen. So it's best not to do that. But also, not just on a safety thing, but as a tourist, if you're wearing a soccer jersey, you're a soccer fan. You're not a tourist. So those restaurants, those shops, those places that are used to being really nice to the tourists to get them to buy things, they're not looking at you that way. They're looking at you like the guy that's going to go have five beers at the game and not going to buy anything in town. And that could affect your kind of enjoyment of enjoying a city, even if you're not going to a game. So if you want to wear your soccer jersey, wear it when you get back home. I will say, though, if you're little kids, they can wear the jerseys, but I'm talking like 10 and under, because once you get 12, 13, people start talking a little uh, little smack. Yeah, don't be confused for or attract the ire of soccer hooligans. Mark Walters, host of the YouTube channel Walters World Travel and Culture and also a teaching associate professor of business administration at the University of Illinois Geese College of Business in Urbana-Champaign. Thank you for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. And still to come, Walmart looks to make advertising impressions on in-store shoppers. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Walmart is putting more resources toward in-store advertising as it looks to capitalize on its huge shopper base. Let's discuss the strategy with Jennifer Waters, Chicago-based retail reporter. Jennifer, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Leverage is the name of the game, it sounds like, and Walmart wants to leverage its reach to uh, advertisers inside the store. That's right. And it's the leverage is the name of the game, but so are eyeballs. And that's part of what a lot of these uh, people who are advertising on these, um, they're like screens usually. And you, you might, it's similar to what you'd see at a gas station, you know, when you're pumping your gas and you see these ads pop up on the screens above the pumps. It's similar to that. But what you're seeing in some, so many of the retail stores right now, is you see them at the point of purchase, which is, you know, the point of sale, which is the most important place to be because you people pick up things while they're waiting in line and, you know, they're, they're getting distracted. And so that's what helps them there. But you're also seeing them on like freezer doors, like uh, Walgreens had a thing where they were doing it, where they had putting nutrition information and then some, uh, you know, sales, ad sales on the freezer doors that were, became very annoying to many of its customers. And so their CEO pulled it out of there um, because she found them annoying too. But it's, it's, uh, it's, it's happening everywhere. It has been slowly happening. You might have noticed in an Uber or in a taxi, you get, you get those uh, retail media up there too. So it's, it's going to be popping up everywhere. The problem is how, how, distracting and annoying can it possibly be it's it's what one person called the real world equivalent equivalent of pop-up ads on your computer 
At the same time, though, uh, 139 million people uh, either visit a Walmart store or go online each week. And uh, mm-hmm. with the installation of 170,000 screens across all of the Walmart stores, I mean, uh, they're already in there. So that's an audience that uh, would be attractive to a lot of advertisers. Exactly. And you're going to see that happen in Walmart, in Kroger's, in Walgreens, maybe Walgreens again. You'll, you might even be able to see it in other retail like department stores and such because it's kind of a side hustle for these retailers. I mean, they're not making a ton of money off of it, especially when you look at Walmart, which just makes hundreds of billions of dollars every year. It's not it's not a big revenue generator for them, but it's also a high profit generator for meaning it doesn't cost them a lot of money to get it up and going but they can make money off of it so that you're going to see more of this this is part of a what's called retail media which is really it looks at customer data to make uh, you know to help sell things and we see it a lot online i mean you look and it's like you're looking to buy sheets and then for the next two weeks you know betting pops up on your computer every time you open it up so it's 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 a wave of the future. We may or may not like it. There's also some privacy concerns because it, it's looking at a lot of data and it's it's looking to see how long you're standing in front of a product, for example, and what kind of mood you're in and those, those kinds of things. I mean, they're being able to tra- track that stuff down. So we'll see how it pans out, but it is a new wave that's coming upon us quickly. Jennifer Waters, Chicago-based retail reporter, thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of the Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.